0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? How's it going? I'm Mark Marin. Mark, M-A-R-C, Marin, Maron, M-A-R-O-N, N. Nine twenty-seven sixty-three. That's when I was born. What am I doing? Just reeling off details? What's happening? I'm not trying to apply for something. I don't have to prove who I am to you. Do I? You want to see my ID, huh? Do ya? Wow. How's it going? I know for some of you were coming down to the wire on this Christmas business, and there's a lot of panic and fear in the world. The new strain is upon us, ripping through the population. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I did everything I could. I did everything I could. I I called the people, and uh, I guess there was just no stopping it. There could have been, but there's a dummy problem. I don't need to rail about that. I'm boosted. Hope you're boosted. Hope you're getting your family to see the light a little bit. Peter Jackson. Yes, he's on the show. This show today. Peter Jackson was on the show from New Zealand. He's the uh, Oscar winning director of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, King Kong. And now the Beatles get back. We talk a bit about his whole career, but uh, a lot of this talk is focused on the Beatles and get back and wrangling that project. Good interview, a lot of stuff, a lot of questions answered about the process of working with the Beatles in the way that he did. All right. What else can I tell you? I had a dream and, you know, I rarely remember them, but this one I remember I was on a a big fancy sort of like, it it seemed like a, a, a luxury liner giant jet. And that was the idea. It was this huge plane, but it didn't look like a plane. It just looked like this huge, you know, kind of like beautifully decorated, dark, oaky situation. A lot of nice furniture around. Huge, though. But in my dream, I was under the understanding that this was an aircraft. And somehow or another, I was seated with a fairly lofty bunch uh, of artists. I don't remember who was there, but I remember it was not quite my crowd. But I was sort of happy to be there, to be accepted amongst the high-minded art crowd. And then my ex-girlfriend, Sarah, showed up. I saw her walk in, and she was with some people, and she saw me. She's like, I'm not dealing with this. And, you know, she was going to walk away. She was clearly just not going to engage with me, but I was trying to be charming and sort of like... Can we put it behind us a bit and just be like people and talk? Can we do that? But it sort of wasn't happening. And then this this giant vessel takes off and I can't feel it flying. It's making me nervous. It seems too big to fly. So then I go out a door. I you know, I apparently there's a deck on this aircraft, and then I find that it's a boat. And I'm at the back of the boat outside on some sort of uh what do you call them on boats deck there's a guy there smoking it's a smoking deck and I'm like this is a this is a boat he's like yeah and then like I'm looking in the water at this giant propeller under the water that's not moving and I'm like how are we moving and then uh, somehow or another almost intentionally I drop my phone into the ocean and I had that moment where I'm like fuck that's that's done now I got to deal with reality. I got to really be in the present. Like I had this feeling like there goes my phone. And then there was a minute like, well, there, what if somebody finds it? And it's like, dude, it's at the bottom of the ocean. No one's going to find it till till years and years from now. Perhaps if the ship sinks right then, they'll find it when they excavate. But either way, I'm like man, now I've got to gotta lock in. What the hell am I going to do? And then I had this realization in the dream that there's nothing that I have to do. There's, the phone's not going to make my life that much different other than people can't get in touch with me. Then I started to wonder, like, did I bring my computer? Because I could do the find your phone thing. And then I realized, like, what the hell is that going to give you? you just want to see if it works for the bottom of the ocean? And uh, that, was the, that was the extent of it. I'll take any input. Uh, I usually kind of... Break down my own dreams, but I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. Wasn't a plane, turns out. Giant boat. I guess I could tell you about the comedy store the other night. It seems that I've got to re- re-groove, you know, get my uh, the hour that I built heading into New York uh, back up on its feet. But, like, I keep doing these short sets at the store, which is fine. The other night, I had a set in the main room and then a set in the original room. And it was just one of these nights where the main room was great. Bunch of sweet people. And somehow or another, that makes me kind of edgy. When all the comics walk into the dressing room after they set and say, like, God, what a great crowd. I'm like, oh, fuck this. It's an odd response, but it's true. And I don't know why I think that. I guess I don't want to know that. I just want to know they're attentive people. I'm not sure what I'm looking for. But the my impulse inside of me when someone says it's a great crowd is that like, I'll oh, fuck it up. I'll ruin it. We'll see. We'll see. It's always like a, a bad omen somehow in my brain when, when comics say great crowd. It was good though. I did all right. My shit's a little dark right now, but that's the way it goes. Dark times. So then I go down the hall to the original room and that audience was awful. Like awful. But I, I was kind of, I've been doing so much comedy. If this is like a, an actual breakthrough in a way where you realize that no matter how long you've been doing this or how good you've gotten at it, that on some level, it's going to come down to the material, number one. And also, it's going to come down to the audience. It just is. I'm not, not one of these people that's sort of like, there are no bad audiences. There's definitely bad audiences, no doubt. And I got up there with all the confidence of having just killed in the big room, and I, I got nothing. Like I did my first few things and I was like, nothing, like just sort of like, nah. And it was a pretty full room and just kind of like, nah, not nothing. You know, like maybe a polite, polite guffaw from a couple of people. And I just, it was, I know what that's like. You know, It all comes back to you in that minute where you're like, oh my God, I am, I've just grounded myself in fucking failure. I'm just like, this is what this is going to be. I've done this a long time. I know exactly what's happening. They're not going to give me fucking anything. Why? I don't know. Sometimes audiences don't come together. They just don't materialize as a group. But the truth is it got going and I did find the people that were laughing in the room and it was enough. And it was interesting to just cleanse myself, baptize myself in the waters of tankage. In just the vacuum of the classic tank. And there's no sort of more present feeling than sitting up on a stage having just told a joke that usually gets laughs to nothing. And just sort of like, wow. And you feel your heart kind of cringe and crinkle around the edges. And the great thing was I realized like, Yeah this happens, man. Enjoy it. Lean into the tankage. This is part of the job. And at the end of the show, I pointed out a guy in the middle of the room who sat there, who for some reason, my gaze was upon because he was sort of in the center of the audience, in the center of my vision. He was just sitting there, middle-aged guy and his wife had his arms crossed and just looking at me, gave me nothing, nothing. I didn't feel like he was doing it on purpose or he was trying to fuck with me. I don't even think that he knew that I could see him. But I did tell him at the end of my set. I said, you, sir, you in the middle of the room are the worst audience member I've ever had in my entire career. Right up there. Just fucking awful. You. Everybody laughed at that. But in in that moment, I was kind of serious. But the question is, was he really? Do you ever know what they're thinking about? No. Could it have had something not to do with me, yes. Did it feel good to say that to him? Him being a representative of a pretty fucking lame audience? It did. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Peter Jackson, man. Now, you guys know how I felt about this Beatles sing. I, 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 I'll say it again. I say I feel like I've known them all my life. They, they were exactly like I thought they would be. And this was just the first time I got to hang out with him. I, I really was immersed. It changed it changed my entire sort of bearings, I think, in part of my deep self. Pretty deep. And I enjoyed it. I I should mention that the Beatles Get Back is now streaming on Disney Plus. And this was sort of like, you know, turn him on and he goes kind of thing. We were on Zoom, but I do want to tell you that there was a notification sound happening during the thing and it was driving me nuts. Like I was, I tried to turn it off on my phone, on my computer, on my other computer. I could not figure out which one of my machines was making noise until, uh, until the interview ended and I realized it was coming from Peter. It was him. And we just didn't want to bother him with trying to make the adjustment because he was on a roll but uh, it was a pleasure to talk to him it was interesting to hear some of the, uh, the process of, of being with the Beatles as long as he was on film and why he made some of the choices he did so this is me talking to Peter Jackson what a nice framing you've got there are you in your castle I'm in just a house on on the coast <laughs> in, in I went to New Zealand. I just uh, just right out your window makes me want to live
1: there. Yeah, I know it's all green and nice. Yeah, yeah. And there's boats. There's you probably can't see. the harbour with with the yachts and the boats and it's, oh it's, it's yeah, all very, yeah did, it's all very very peaceful. And nice. Did you grow up by there? I grew up about twenty miles away. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, just up the coast.
0: So you're no you're no stranger to boats. I hate boats. Yeah you do <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i know, I know. you you grew up on an island i
1: used to be in the boy scouts and then our boy scout unit you know, in this little town i was in they decided to they voted somebody voted i didn't vote To a bit. they but they wanted to become a sea scout unit so they so they became sea scouts and i was sort of dragged along had one one day where i was in a boat and i threw up all over the boat and, and uh-huh. I was just in front of all the other scouts and then i never I never went back it was that was the end of my scouting. Um, <laughs> no more boats. I get terribly seasick, but the water's nice if you look if 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 you see it from from a distance it's really nice,
0: but you have no problem with planes
1: uh, I don't really like planes too much either. I'm a nervous flyer, but really? I like old planes. Hmm. but do you fly yourself? No no no, oh God no oh. <laughs>
0: You just, no. you just you, have a, no, no,
1: you just I, I I've never I've always wanted to fly I've always had a romantic notion and I've got some World War 1 airplanes and I've had this sort of you know this romantic notion of being able to fly in these first world planes but I just think that if, if an emergency happens which I think is what you have to make your decisions based on you know what happens if if something goes wrong yeah and the engine stops or something, and I think I just panic i i, I don't understand engines i don 't understand oil pressure i don 't know any of that stuff, so I think when the emergency happens i 'd freeze panic and go straight straight into the ground so i 've never really i, I just don 't have a natural affinity with that sort of thing so um I, I fly in planes, but i don 't actually i don 't fly them
0: but you like the machines you have a, a some sort of i you you have a passion for the planes themselves
1: I have a passion for history in the first world war. In particular, I guess. I mean, I mean, I, I, other parts of history, and for some reason, I grew up. Well, when I was young, I saw a movie called The Blue Max. Oh um,
0: yeah, was that Mike? Was it Max von Sydow or somebody?
1: No, Who was George Papard? George Papard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. Ursula, Ursula Andress, of course. Which, which, when you're when you're twelve years old, she's Enough. a goddess. Yeah. Um, and so, between Ursula and andreas and the in the planes, it made a huge impression on me and i sort of i sort of um i did end up uh, building some first world war planes and and um, I've got a little collection of those. So, yeah.
0: So, what, do you just have a guy when you want to go look at him? You got a friend who go fly him around for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I've got a little kind of a team who who look after them. You know, I've got some, uh, some engineers because they they all have to pass inspections and things. And then when they fly into the air shows, we, uh, we've got a little group of volunteer pilots that fly them. But I actually, the, the, the plane that George Papad flies in the Blue Max, I... Uh, about 10 years ago, I found that in a barn in the States. You know, it was in a, it was in a very bad condition. So, and I've restored it. So I've actually got the the, the exact plane that he flew that he flew in that movie. So, well, that's exciting. That's, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you like model planes as well?
1: Well, it, I mean, it began with models. It began with the little one seventy-second yeah. uh, Revell and Airfix models, and then it sort of expanded into full-size planes. Yeah.
0: You know what uh, you know the comic uh jonathan winters he was a kind of an improvisational oh oh oh, oh, jo- oh
1: yeah 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 the yeah guy... mad 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 world yes yeah 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 yeah
0: i know i know him yeah. i interviewed him when he was you know near death and i went to his house in santa barbara and we were in after we talked he goes let me show you the planes and uh he walks me down the hallway to his bedroom and he's got this four poster bed but on the ceiling he had about a hundred model planes hanging
1: wow. and it was like it was oh, wow. like
0: it's like he was like seven years old he just uh, he was so proud of him wow. he loved him
1: and and if and the planes that he'd, he'd built he'd, he'd built and painted them and done I, I, them I, I i
0: don't know if i got that far i just know that they were right. hanging there and he and he yeah. loved them yeah. and it's very weird what people remember when you talk about nostalgia which is sort of you know yeah. what we're going to be talking about in a way is that you know, I walked him down that hallway, that old guy who'd had a life in show business, and there was a hallway just filled with pictures with him and everybody you could think of from the history of show business, all along this wall, and he stops and he points at a picture, and it's of a little kid, it's a black and white picture that was barely, it was very grainy, a little kid and a dog, and he just said, I miss that dog. Out of all the pictures of his entire life, mm-hmm. the thing that he yeah. held onto were these planes and that little dog, it was so touching
1: you know, yeah. what we hold on to. Yeah, yeah it was a, probably a childhood dog. I would, I would right, right. It,
0: but after, you know, after the you know, walking down that that hall of everybody, it was just so such a beautiful moment The things that make an impact on mm-hmm. us when we're young. And I guess that's sort of what's driven a lot of your, you know, what drove the beginning of your film career, too, was a, a sort of nostalgia for something you saw when you were a kid, right?
1: Well, um, my partner, Fran, uh, reminds me whenever I need a little tilling off or something, she's, Quick, quick to remind me that I'm, that I'm still 10. That I have no, I have no interests or hobbies that I didn't have at the age of 10, 10 or 12. Well, I, I have Fran, which I guess doesn't, because I didn't know her when I was 10 or 12. Well, but that's um, not a, that's not a hobby.
0: Okay. That's a person.
1: No, but all, my, all my, everything I'm interested in, all my passions, I, I, are the same ones that I had when I was 10, or, 10, or, 10 or 12. I, I, haven't actually developed at all as a uh, human being since, since then. So.
0: Well, does that is is that something that bothers you or you're okay with it? I'm I very,
1: very happy. I'm I I, I love being twelve. But no, it's <laughs> no it's so great. Great. No, no, I I I mean I seriously I, I can I can um you know, in in the lockdown that we we, we had in New Zealand last year, we you know we we were locked down for like seven weeks. Yeah and we couldn't work. And I thought, well, what am I gonna do? You know, you know, in a house, and so I remembered when I was sixteen or seventeen, I tried to build Ray, um, Ray Harryhausen stop stop motion models, and I kind of, you know, back then I tried and I and I wasn't very happy, and then I got busy, and I got school and work and everything else took 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 over. So I thought, well, I mean, here, here I am, two thousand and twenty. I could spend my seven weeks trying trying to build build them again. So oh, look, I'll, show, I'll show you. I've got them, got them here actually. Um, so I built I built a couple of skeletons. Oh wow! Yeah, like those are the so, those
0: like the the voyage of Sinbad.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so they've all got armatures in them, and
0: yeah. Oh, look at that so with that, the shields in so my,
1: lock, my lockdown uh, pro, um, uh, pro, project. So I, I I went back to finishing off a project that I that I abandoned when I was when I was about sixteen. So yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you going to use them? Are you going to shoot them?
1: Well, yeah, because I also, when I was sixteen, I shot a film of me as Sinbad. Yeah, uh, super rate. So I had a shirt and pants and, and a wooden sword, and I, and I was fi- and I was fighting. Yeah, I'm um, um, invisible. Yeah, thing because because I was always intending to um to animate the skeleton and superimpose it in, but at that point in time it was all far too hard. So I've still got that film of, of the 16 year old me. Oh, good. Um, fighting an invisible an invisible skeleton. So the idea is to um. Probably over, probably over Christmas when I have got some time I'll uh, animate those into into my old film, which is so easy to, easy to do with green screen and all that sort of stuff now. So <laughs> this I'll is finally pro- finish off a um, a movie that I be- that I began when I was sixteen. So it'll be good.
0: Wow, that is that's the longest production schedule ever, <laughs> oh, right there. Yeah, probably. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> but you, you but, get, but it's fun. I mean, I, I just have I, I just have no interest in. I mean, everything I love really yeah. is. It's from that from that period of time, you know. It's um, Yeah. First world war planes, uh, um, Ray Harryhausen monsters, movies, super great films, and making movies. It's just you know, Beatles, Beatles too. Is that about it's the time all that
0: stuff. I mean, how much? I mean, how, how old are you? Are you my are you my age? How old are you?
1: I'm sixty. have just turned sixty.
0: I'm fifty eight. So we caught the Beatles. Yeah. We were very young. I remember. It's so. My experience in watching that thing is very interesting, Uh, and I imagine everybody's having some sort of experience. But my parents had "Let It Be," had the album, and you know the the Beatles' second album and "Let It Be" were the two albums that were in the house when I was, you know, five or six. And, you know, I remember it, there's something I talked about it on the show the other day that if you love the Beatles, you, you don't you don't even think about it. It's just in your genetic structure. It's in your soul. The, your relationship yeah. with the Beatles is something you can't really even understand if you have it. But you, if you have it, you have no, it. I don't, I don't, I don't, it's a, it's an odd thing. And yeah, yes it is. my experience in watching the movie. And it's so weird because two weeks before I started watching your show or the movie, the documentary, I saw the Rolling Stones live. So I had this these two interesting experiences with these heroes of yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, two, you know, one of them I can still see, but the feeling of sadness and uh, and humanization of these idols of mine happened in both cases. With the Stones, it's sort of like people are like, "Were they amazing?" I'm like, no, they're they're old and they're still doing what they do, and it's it's nice, mm-hmm. but it's sad, mm-hmm. you know. And they're painfully human. Whereas with yes. your thing. You know, you watch that thing, it's like there is a sadness to it, but the, the thing I couldn't get past was that like it, it it was almost like I've already known them my whole life and I there was part of me that wasn't surprised at all by anything that was happening. It was sort of mm-hmm. like, "Yep, this is exactly how it should be. This mm-hmm. is what it was. Finally I get to hang out with them."
1: I know, yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way. You did? I I I yeah, um, I was I was listening to a podcast the other day, some yeah. Beetle fan thing just a uh, just you know and they'd seen they'd seen get back and one of the guys made a comment which which made me laugh because he was you know the same sort of thing you know i felt i felt that i'd gone back and spent time with them and all that and, and he said god he said i i have to get used now that i'm living in a world that where a 27 year old mccartney and a 79 year old mccartney exist in the same world yeah <laughs> which is kind of it it, it does it does play game, games with with your um with your head in that way really well it's, it's weird
0: you know. for me like I find it hard, like I, I tend to develop some sort of, I guess it's probably my own fear of mortality, because I've interviewed Paul, mm-hmm. and I've interviewed Keith Richards at different times, but mm. I, I start to get, uh, you know, not so much with Keith, but I, but weirdly, I'm a John guy. I I, I mean, when I went to interview Paul, which which is a big deal, he's a Beatle, but in <laughs> my mind, I'm like, I'm still a John guy. Like, I'm still, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm happy yeah. I'm going to interview Paul, but like, he's not my guy, and- yeah. What was it like? The, how much interaction did you have with him for the process?
1: Oh well, I, I mean, I I could have as much as as much as I as I, um, as I needed. I mean, I, I didn't need a huge amount. For, apart from just asking him questions, like there's that little sequence where he he appears to uh, to concoct get get that back at, back out of out of thin air. He just strums his bass. Yeah, and yeah. Song comes so. I saw that clip and I sent and I sent it to him and I and I said, "Is this what I think think it is?" I said, D- "You know, did you have any idea about the song beforehand? Did you have a have a a snippet of the song song in your head to a, to a come in?" And he saw the clip because he couldn't remember the exact moment, so he looked at the clip that I, I sent him, and he said, "No, no, that's 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 me making making it up, pulling it out of the air." Yeah, so he could recognise what he was doing. So I mean, he he was always available for those sorts of things. So I knew that I had my facts straight. But um, but why 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 are you a John guy? What's the what what's the reasons oh. for that? Well, I mean,
0: I think you know, as I grow up with it and I think about it, because like I when I was in like uh, uh, high school, I remember I spent hours do- drawing a picture of his face. I think mm-hmm. it was from uh, the Sgt. Pepper period, and I won an award for it. I mean, I like I spent hours and hours, you yeah. know, on this yeah. John face, and yeah. I think because I I I relate to his sensitivity and to the his, to his emotional volatility. I think I relate to it without really knowing it. I think that You're you know right. what whatever yeah. we're attracted to when we're younger in terms of Beatles. Yeah. They probably represent some of us. I, I liked his wit. I, I knew. I think I knew innately he was, you know, an angry guy and probably a sad guy. And you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I just I have to backload that because I assume that's what it is. I mean, Paul's great, and I understand Paul's great, but he always seemed um, so. Uh, you know, I, I just he
1: always seemed seemed like the the, show, the Showbiz Beetle. The yeah, DR but, but beetle.
0: also like you know his the type of music he liked was kind of like you know marching right. band <laughs> stuff. And but the one thing yeah. I loved about watching the documentary is like they love rock and roll. Those guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. they you know sure. they're and they're only like you know you, you got to figure you're only 10, 11 years away. From the beginning yeah. of rock and roll in earnest, so you know them sitting around playing Wilbur Harrison or whoever, uh, Wade's shoes or whatever it is. I mean, you know that's only like ten years ago. Those are songs that they, you know, that's how they they got their
1: they learned their chops, and they just love it. I mean, they they had this, like, this strange experience of loving rock and roll, and then before they became f- famous, their their rock and roll heroes all all kind of um, they all kind of kind of imploded. You know, Elvis went into the army. Little Richard had issues. Chuck Berry had issues. Yeah. Um. Buddy, Buddy Holly was killed. Yeah. So, but, so by the time they, they were playing in Hamburg and in the cabin club, their rock and roll he- heroes had kind of gone.
0: Oh, that's brutal. Um, you know, I they, never thought they, of that. They, yeah.
1: they had a strange, a strange experience. And I, I heard an interview that was done with John after, after they met Elvis because they went to LA in 64, 65. And they had their famous night night with Elvis, and um, and I found an interview with John the day the day after, and the guy said to John, "So, so what did you and Elvis talk, talk about?" And John says, "Well, I just told him that that I preferred his his uh, his uh, records before the army, and, and and can he please do some more of those?" Yeah, <laughs> so that was uh, that was John's chat, chat, with, chat with Elvis. Yeah, wild. <laughs> yeah.
0: So now, what like just like walk me through the you know what what compelled you to do this? I mean. Y- You know, where where did that, where did it come from? Did you, I mean, because I remember, like, it was weird when I watched the, I first, when I was going to talk to you the first time, I'd only seen what the press set out, that one hour thing that you, like the hour-long trailer. And I realized I had seen that footage of John and Yoko dancing because I had seen the original documentary when I was in high school. So what made you decide to do this?
1: Well, I I mean, look, I... I've been a Beatles fan since I was about twelve. So. Right. So, so I just like living my life as as an adult, as I said. But I'm just, you know, still following my passions as a kid. So I, yeah. I don't have any interest sort of doing sort of grown up stuff, really. And uh, but I never really dreamt that I'd be doing any things with the Beatles because you sort of think at this point in time, you know, what what is there to do? Yeah. But I it was weird because I was working on this World War One um, film. Uh, they should not grow old. I saw that. And, and norm, normally I'm New Zealand based, but uh, that made me um, take several trips to London to go to go into the archives and look, look for film and stuff. So I was also, I mean, I'm just piecing it together. I can't quite remember the. Uh, how or But I was also doing interviews, I guess, at the time where I was expressing an interest in uh, in the technology VR and AR, you know, um, with with the glasses, and you put them on, you see things, which which I'm still interested in, but um, it hasn't kind of taken ta- taken off yet. But anyway, uh, the guys at Apple, Apple Corps, the Beatles, Apple. Not, not the other Apple. Yeah. Um, they must have seen that. They must have heard an interview because I'd, I'd never met, met them before. And they must have heard that I was in London for some reason. I don't, I don't know how. So, anyway, I get an invitation to, or I, or I get a request could I pop into Apple and meet with Jeff Jones and Jonathan Clyde? Because they at that point, they had a, a Beatles exhibition, uh-huh. a live sort of exhibition that they were thinking about doing. From what I could understand, and it never got very far. I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. But from what I could understand, it was like you walk into, a, you know, an exhibition hall and you see uh, original costumes and guitars, right. yeah, and you see a, re- a replica of the cabin Club, and you, know, it was sort of like a walk-through thing. And so they were interested in using um, VR or AR technology so that you, you know, you know, on the, the doorway you'd be given some glasses and you go through and you see. And you see beetles doing things, so they just wanted to pick my brains about what, what where the, te- the technology was at. So it was just really a uh, a meet and a chat. And um, so anyway, I show up at Apple, and it's you know, I mean it's very small. It's like the the company's very very small as a, as I we down, down here. So you know, it um, it, it felt sort of it, it felt nice. It's like a a sort of homely place where there's Beetle there's Beetle posters everywhere and you know, photographs everywhere. And I was all out. And I was thinking, don't act like a fan. Don't act like a fan. Hey, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're here to talk about AR and VR, so for God's sake, just be just be a pro. So anyway, I sat in the room and I chatted with them about the AR VR thing. Sort of sort of gave them a brief description of what what you could do with it. And then I had one question, one fan question that I'd had for years and years and years uh, that I wanted to ask. And so I just sort of I just slipped it in and said, Oh, by the way, um, you're, if you're needing some footage of the Beatles that no one's ever seen before, um. Whatever happened to the outtakes from Let it be, but I had no idea how much survived. If it was, if it had all been junked, if it, you know, I just didn't didn't know. Um, so they said, "Oh no, um, we've got we've got it all. We've got 60 hours of film. Oh we've got about 140 hours of, of um, audio." And then they said, "Oh, it's strange that you should mention this because we we had a meeting the other day and we're thinking about, but perhaps we should do do a film that uh, that uh, uses." Use of the outtakes. And they, yeah. were just, they were just finishing up eight, eight days a week at that time. And I was sort of in the last year or so of They Shall Not Grow Old. And so I did the one thing that, that I've never ever done in my life. I, I stuck up my hand and I said, <laughs> if you're looking for a filmmaker, if you haven't got somebody attached yet, um, just please think, think, of, think of me. And so that was really weird. They disappeared into another room and they came back and they said, if you want to do it, do it. It's, it's, um, you you I can. It's, it's, all, it's all yours. Oh my god. And so I kind of walked I walked into the meetings to, to sort of to give them some thoughts about AR and VR and I walked out with get back. But but even then I I, I didn't want to commit to it because I knew the reputation of the of the project of the of the misery and the and the squabbles and you know, all the books that I read said that they couldn't stand stand each other's company and you know, you know, all the all the really bad stuff. Right, so right. At, at that point I said, Well, I'm, I'm how how can I look at look at this stuff? And they said, Well, we've got it on a on a um, server. Um you know, it was all very. The security was all very. I mean, they weren't going to give it, give it to me to take home. Um, and so, at that point, I extended my trip in London. I was supposed to be working on they shall, they shall not grow old. But I took, I took a leave of of absence for a week. Uh-huh. Extended my trip, and I when I went into Apple every single day, and they had an office for me. And so, I'd arrive at eight in the morning, and I sit 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 there till six. Oh my god! And they'd go fetch, fetch, fetch me burgers and stuff for lunch.
0: What was the first feeling, man? I mean, what were like when you first dread, turned dread. it on?
1: It was, it was dread. It was dread because I totally bought into the reputation of the "Let It Be" period. Yeah, and and I and I kept thinking, what the hell am I going to see? Because I kept thinking, if if "Let It Be," which which I you know had seen and was pretty familiar with, if "Let It Be" was what they allowed Michael Lindsay-Hogg to show, what the hell did they not? What I'm to show? What horrors am I going to see? Right. Because you don't want, you know, because people you admire. I mean, I mean, yeah, I could know, call them heroes, but you know, and they were when I was younger, they were heroes, but as I got older, they were just people that I, you know, whose skill and talent, telling, I admired. Their story was great. Um. I didn't want to see I didn't want to see the real people because I was terribly worried that the real you know whenever you meet your heroes there yeah you you inevitably they're not what you hope, hope they'd be I was look I was excited because this film had never been seen by by anybody for 50 years so I mean I was immensely curious but I was also dreading it, and I and I said to the guys, "Look, if this is a, if this film is as bad as what it's supposed to be, in terms of the you know the mood and the atmosphere and everything else, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm probably not 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 going to do it." I said, I, "I can't believe I'm saying this because doing a Beatles film is a lifelong dream of mine, but I really don't want to do a Beatles film with full of argument and misery and and depressed Beatles. I really that's not the film film I, I, I want to do."
0: How long did it take you before uh, you realized that wasn't the case?
1: about well it was a slow unveiling because i didn't have any script i mean there's no actual script there's, right. there's, and, and there's no paperwork they had the film organized day by day so it starts on the first day uh, second of, you know and and it was 60 hours of film at that point the the audio they didn't they didn't sort of i, I wasn't hearing that it was just just the film with with the with the audio with the film yeah so yeah yeah it was 60 hours to go through and so it was a slow process where each day I'd sit there for seven or eight hours and watch it for seven or eight hours, get through day one. You know, I'd, I'd come in the next day, I'd be on day two. The next day, day three has got the argument or the, 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 the thing with, the, with Paul and George. You know, So I watched that and I thought, well, this isn't actually as bad. You know, the, the, I'll play anything you want or I won't play at all. You just tell me what you want me to do. You know, I, I watched the whole thing. And in our movie, it's about we've extended it to about eight, eight or eight or nine minutes. But the actual thing is about an hour and a half long. That that um, sequence. So I just watched it. And I thought, okay, well, like, this is building up to that little exchange that I've seen, and let, let it be. And this is not feeling too bad. And then, and then the the famous words happen, and then it carries on. And I'm thinking, well, that's actually kind of not as bad as bad as I thought thought it was. And then, but I was wait, still waiting for the, the stuff that Michael wasn't allowed to, you know, the stuff that where they swearing at each other, or they're shouting, or they're yeah. throwing things, or right. or got, God knows what. And it just never happened. And it got funnier and funnier. Yeah. It just got funny, and I and I was laughing. And um, and I so I got through about, I think I got through up to about when George left the band in that first week, and um, and and so I I didn't get into several row. I got. The first seven days, and I said, and I said to them, "Look, I have to fly home, but I'm really keen to do it. Um, and you're going to have to send it, send it to me. You're going to have to break all your security um, protocols. You're going to have to tr- trust me, and you're going to have to send, send me the whole thing because, I, because I've only seen you know the first se- seven hours. I need to keep keep on um, watch it, watching it. But it look it looks great. And I knew that um, from what I'd read in the books that the several Row stuff was going to get better. So I thought, well, this is actually pretty funny, and if so, several rows better, it's some um, great." So they sent it to me. I, I had it on an iPad and um and I watched it and uh and it took me a few weeks to get through it all. And then I then I watched it again, twice. Yeah. Because, you know, you watch it once and you don't pick up all the little the little clues about stuff that's gonna that's gonna happen uh, later 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 on. Right, so I had right, to go right. back and watch it again. And then um, you know, I slowly just um I slowly built up this picture in my head of this, 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 of what I assumed was more like the truth of that month. And that coincided about that moment in time, when I'd seen it a couple of times, um, uh, Paul, Paul comes down to New Zealand to do a concert, um, December, 2017, it was. So they arranged for me to go meet Paul. So, so he was the first, um, he was the first beetle that I had, that I, I met on the, uh, for the project. and. I go into the meeting before his show and I, and he looks at me and I, and I say, well, Paul, I've seen all the outtakes. Yeah. And I mean, he, he, he hadn't, he hadn't seen them. He had a memory of whatever his, his memory of, which was pretty grim. Um,
0: Emotional. It's emotional memory. Different. Well, right? it's a
1: memory of May nineteen seventy. It's a me- it's a memory of the breaking up and the mo- and let it be coming out, and it's not a memory of January six, six sixty nine. So as as I discovered with quite a few few of the people, but um, so I said to Paul, look, I've seen the seen the whole lot. I've seen every single frame yeah. frame of film, and right, he looked right. he looked nervous. He really looked. He had a a, a really sort of almost childlike frightened frightened look on his face. And I just and I and I just said to him, look, whatever you think it is, and I know what you think think it is, the same as what I thought it is. It's not that. It's actually really, really great. It's really funny. It's <laughs> it's it's you know, and there's friendship and everything else. And I had my iPad, uh, which I had the footage on, so I showed him some bits, and um, and he was so relieved. He was <laughs> so happy. I mean, he was so happy. I mean, I mean, this was not to do with a movie or anything at this yeah. point. He was just so happy to hear that the film that was shot didn't show fighting, squabbling, swearing at each other, arguments, which I guess in his head over the period of time he'd he'd, he'd, he'd built that um, pic- picture in his head. Because I think every, everybody had taken the movie, let it be at its release in May, May 1970. The headlines are saying the Beatles are break- breaking up. And they've taken that as a, as a core, and they've extrapolated that. You know, out. You know, time has passed. It's gotten worse over time. Yeah. The outtakes must be really, really bad. The whole thing is sort of built from that May nineteen seventy um, moment in time when the film came out after they've broken up but it's and it has no relation with the with the January 6, 69 filming at all um, well
0: I think like what's amazing what's amazing to me in watching it is like I don't know why I didn't bring any of that baggage to it like I didn't you know I didn't really put mm-hmm. it in my head I didn't frame it historically I just sort of entered it I knew that they were going to break up soon so mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't go in with any of the dread that you had I just like I took it at face value and I thought all the friendships were intact and I thought maybe they were you know probably I, I I wonder if they ever really yelled and screamed because they're pretty British, all of
1: them. Uh, well, on, on the on the hundred and fifty hours of audio, because the real story is actually in the Nagra tapes and the uh, audio. Yeah, you know, which you get, which they rolled audio most, almost all all day long, and 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 I've certainly, you know, I mean, I don't know what happened, at, you know, in the evenings or at the weekends or anything else, but certainly during those twenty two days, listening to the audio, which is pretty much starting in the, in the beginning of the day and going through to the end. Um, and they had an A-B machine, so if one had to change the tape see so how the other one was going, um, I, there was not one moment where a beetle had an angry word to another beetle. Yeah. Not one moment where, where one of them swore, swore at each other. I mean, they swear a lot, but they swear in a sort of funny scouse way they don't they don't actually swear in a in a um in in an aggressive way so but they but they there's no there's no shouting
0: yeah i didn't feel it at all i mean i i felt i felt sad i didn't I, i felt sad you know because i knew that as you probably knew you know john was struggling with his addiction problems and you know george was unhappy creatively but i didn't bring any of that to i i kind of noticed that during it and i i didn't mm-hmm. realize that john was in the throes of the addiction that he was in until after i watched it and and paul and mm-hmm. it was paul and even yoko like from the get-go like i was able to sort of not pay attention to her at all uh mm-hmm. which i think a lot of them did and they, it seemed like that this idea that she was hanging over this band she almost like became furniture
1: i mean is a very oh, no, she does she, um she does for sure but you see up, up until now up until this film has come out. What you've seen of Yoko has been either li- little tiny, you know, ten-second film clips, yeah, where where the band and there's her, and you immediately go, oh my god, oh my god, she's sitting right right there, or still photos, you know. And for fifty years, it's been little clips or still photos, and it's and and you're right. It's only when you see the enormity of 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 the of the um you know the the length, which is yeah. um, eight eight hours and. two up some that it's just like you just realize. Well, so, well, so, uh, so what? She's quiet, she she doesn't interfere, yeah, she doesn't tell Paul yeah. how to play, play his bass. It's just what, what, what the hell is the um yeah, issue, right you know. Right. And, you know, but but it's a very different story to to, to the fifty years of these fo- of these photos oh, that you've in yeah. books, of, of, right? By
0: yeah, you thought this was going to be it, you know. And and also, there's yeah. moments with her and Linda that were kind of genuine and and you yeah. know uh, yeah. you know just you know uh, uh, wives of the band kind of moments, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. it didn't stifle any of the creativity. Now, when okay, so so when you see all this footage and you start going through it, tell me why. Yeah. You know, what did you do to it, Peter? What was the magic you did to it that made me feel like I was hanging out there that made there was no, uh, the emotional interface was so immediate. There is there some way that you treated the film? Did you take out any, like, I don't know, like, I know there's the magic of the Beatles, but it's a lot to sit through eight hours of guys, you know, doing, you know, bits and pieces of songs, even if it is the Beatles. But there was points where I, I picked up my guitar on my couch and or I'd go get something to eat. And I'm just sort of like, well, they're just doing that now. How? What did you yeah, do? Yeah. How did you? How did you visualize? I, I can hear mm. how you were starting to put the story together, but how did you visualize the effect of the film itself?
1: Mm. Well, I think the effect of the film itself is is related is tied to the story. I mean, you can restore the film, but you've still got to have the story because I think you know the, the the sense that you're with them and you, and you're sort of going on this journey with them is also story related. But in terms of the technical stuff, we um well we'd done this first world war movie where we'd restored this old hundred year old um footage you know which, which was pretty hard because black and white scratchy and 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 you did this at, at, at your you did this at your magic lab Park road Post, which is about a mile a mile down yeah the road here in in uh Wellington, yeah um very small team but a really really t- talented team very, very very clever and we're sort of just down the other end of the world so we don't we don't care what anyone else does we just develop our own code our own so- our, our own software and our own yeah. team and we just and we got for So anyway, we'd done the World War One film, and um, what we what had happened after, as we were going through the, towards the end of the first world war, of the first world war film, I had my um, my first uh, three movies, which I made when I was I was younger. Sort of the horror, horror movies, splatter movies were all shot yeah. on six, on on a six, 16 mil. They've never come out in any sort of a restored form. Yeah, you know they got they got they got released in... On VHS, basically in the nineteen eighties, uh, oh, yeah. early nineties. So, so I said to the guys, I said, "God, I love while while we're on a roll here, I'd love to get my old my old six, sixteen mil films." Um.
0: Well, like meet the meet the feebles,
1: meet the and bad taste and bra- and brain dead. Yeah. 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 And so I said, I'll get the original neg for the 16 mil stuff. It's not the World War I. It's, you know, it's color. It's a, it's a 16 mil neg. And um, it'd be great if you guys could start to, to work on that. So we'd just begun that when the Beatles thing, thing arrived. So we'd already switched our sort of pipeline from, from the World War I 35 mil sort of nitrate uh, uh, uh Sort of thing to 16 mil color based based on my <laughs> on my on my old horror movies and 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 I was shooting on pretty much the same sort of film, yeah. film that the Beatles shot on, so um it's a case of just you know the 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 concept was removing the grain and trying to make it look as sharp as, as as I can. It was actually a deliberate one one you know people sort of you know have opinions about it and stuff and there's film grain enthusiasts that hate the idea that that all the film grain is gone and everything else but. But, but I had a very, um, I had a very different goal in mind because what I, I, I wanted, you know, as I was looking looking at the film and before before we got started, because Apple kept saying to me, "What's what's the story? What's the story that you're going to tell?" And I was saying, "Well, hang on, let me let me see it first. Let me see it and have, and have a think." Um, but I, you know, I always, as a kid, fantasised, you know, as I was a young Beatles fan, fantasised that surely when I, you know, as a 16 year old, 12 year old, 16 year old Beatles fan, I assumed that by the time I got to be an old bastard like I am now. A time machine will will have been invented, and you know, and maybe we get to all get to pick a day to go back. And I thought, well, you know, I'm the day I'm going to pick. I'm, I don't know exactly what day, but I'm going to go back to to Abbey Abbey Road, and I'm going to sit in the corner of the studio and, and spend a day watching the Beatles at work. That that was my. If, if we could all pick a a time machine yeah. um, trip. Just one that would that would have been mine. I, you know, I'd, I'd have to figure out what what, what album uh, exactly to do it on. So I just looked at the stuff and I thought, God, this 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 is, this is this is, this is like a time, a time machine, but it's not like a time machine when it's when it's grainy and scratchy because it's like you know there's a there's a film there's a film of film. Um, it, it. It's like, sort of I like that.
0: Then the film becomes something unto itself, not what's on the film.
1: Well, it becomes that. Look, we found fifty year old film. Right you know, of the Beatles, And look, it's it's old and it's got grain, but it's it's them and isn't that cool. So I thought if I really want to pull off this time machine thing, I've got to remove as much between us and them. Yeah, And that that involves removing all any scratches, any um, imperfections, any hairs in the gate, and the grain. Try to make it look as crisp and clean as I can. And if I can do that, then hopefully we'll feel like we're – we're we're in the room with them, and and, and that was also the reason why I, I made a decision early on not to do any modern day interviews, not to interview Ringo or Paul, or Glenn Johns or anyone else, because that immediately is is the 50 year gap again. I just wanted to to get in the time machine, take any any interested parties along with me, any any Disney Plus subscribers, I guess, yeah. at this point in time, um, and we'll go and watch and and watch them at work. And so I wanted to, you know. Look, it's, it's all it's all weird headspace stuff. But that was, I just you know that was the the thought behind yeah doing all the you know to to restore it to the level that we did.
0: Well, and also I think the the decision not to uh, engage with any of the uh, survivors. I mean, you mm-hmm. would you would run into the liability of the emotional liability of that that fifty year gap again. That like obviously most of these guys have 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 you know reframed that memory uh, you know d- based on events that happened afterwards so like yeah. why bo- why why screw with the purity of what you already had and there's 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 so much space there
1: well well you see that then went on to the narrative then the, to the storyline because of course taking on this project there's no script you know not normally when i make a movie you've got you know you sure you go into the, you you go and you cut the movie um you know you, you finally get into the cutting room to cut it, yeah. And at that point, you've written the script. Every scene has got a number. There's a story. There's a three X structure. You've shot it. You know, each day, you you, uh, you know, every frame of film that you've shot. You know, the best takes. And so the cutting is like a pretty sort of you know. It's fun. It's my favorite part of it. But it's there's there's no mysterious thing, thing to it. It's like you know, there's surprises, but it is you, you you're following your script, and then you're following what you what you shot, and then it's. But here, I here I had um, you know 130 hours of uh, audio, really, and the and the, and the camera just uh, switches on 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 and off during it. So there was like 130 hours, no script, and the thing that I realized as soon as I saw it, yeah, I realized that all all the books that I read were very un unreliable. So it wasn't like I could turn to some expert beetle guy who's written a book and you know use that as 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 my guide because I I realized just how how wrong the, book, the books have been! I mean, some of the books say they could they couldn't bear to be to be in each other's co- company. Uh, John was off his head all the time. They were phoning it in. They were coming in with finished songs, and the others were just acting as, acting as I mean, every every negative um, spin that you could imagine has yeah. been put on on this. Um, so I couldn't rely on books. So I had to, 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 um Jabez Olson, who, who I cut it with, just the two of us, we sat in a room for, well, it was months really. And we listened to the 130, 40 hours and we listened to it again. And we had to build up our own storyline from the, from what they were saying. So we were, we were eaves, eavesdropping on 50 year old, conversations that they had no idea were going to be heard yeah. by us in 50 years time. And we were trying to figure out what's, what's the truth. What is actually happening? Why are they there? What are they doing? What's going wrong? Why does George leave? Why did they go to several, you know, why, 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 why? And, and the answers were all coming from thing, things, things that they, they were saying. So it wasn't until we went through the audio like twice that we pieced together what we thought was the actual, you know, more or less the um, a much more accurate Narrative, and then we decided we'll just tell the story day day by day. So for
0: you, like an example, of that would be George leaves, and you track it back to them, you know, not listening to their songs, his songs, in a serious way.
1: Well, George leaving is interesting because we, um, you know, there's a day where he has his little uh, uh, sort of t- titchy exchange with Paul. That's that's day three. I mean, I I don't know the dates, so I just say day yeah. one, two, three, four, five. So that's day three. George doesn't leave till day seven. So, um. Like I, I spoke to Ringo and I said, why did George leave? And he said, well, you've seen it in the film, in the letter B movie. He, you know, he and Paul had uh, George and Paul had these angry words and he got up and left. And I, I said to Ringo, no, no, that, that happened on day three, Ringo. And he didn't leave till day seven. And Ringo, and Ringo said, no, 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 no. He had those And I just thought, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with Ringo yeah. <laughs> because he's actually, I mean, I mean, again, it's just, just his memory had, had muddled up the movie with the, with the, um, with the facts and, and that's fine. It's a long, long t- time ago. So, um, so anyway, George uh, has a little exchange on day three. Day four, he's, he's, you know, George is reasonably happy. Day five, he's very, very happy because they do I, Me, Mine and they have some fun. Yeah. Day six, he's having a great day. They're doing com- Commonwealth and... They're clowning around and doing um, a bathroom window and George is having a good time. So, yeah. So, Jalen and I are looking at this stuff and say, well, he's going to leave tomorrow because watching all the day six stuff. He's going to leave tomorrow. What, what, why is he, you know, where's, where are the clues? There's no arguments. Yeah. So we get on to day seven and day seven starts with Dick James, the publisher, the Northern songs guy being there for a meeting. George comes in a bit late and thanks him for the glasses that he gave him over Christmas. Yeah. And then they then they get working on two songs. They start with Get Back and they go into t- two of us. And we we did a really f- a, f- a forensic ex- um, examination because we could tell from the Nagras where their – if if our time time was um was a cut, we could tell if, the, if the tapes tape machines have been t- turned off, we could we could because the coding on the tapes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the film, the, the actual film that was shot just turns on and off on on off all the time. But the for the sound, you can actually you can track the um the the actual time of the day that the tapes run, and I had our guys examine it, and I said, okay, so we're starting start with they rec- they they're doing get back. They spent about three hours. After Duke James leaves, yeah, and then they break for lunch, and George says, "I'm I'm leaving now." And I, and I said, "Is there any break? Is there any thing that where they could have had an argument, where the tapes uh, didn't didn't roll?" And they said, "No, no, the, this is this is this some sound is is continuous. There's no there's no stoppages in in this in the in the audio." And so Jabez and I looked at it over and over again. I mean we, I mean the, the audio is there, and there's, and there's a fair bit of film shot. And it just looked like, well, to us, it looked like George was in a very depressed state. Yeah, right at the beginning of the day. He yeah. and, he arrived, and 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 from what we can understand, and we didn't want to actually get into this, and maybe he he was having some some domestic issues at home. Oh, uh, right. Uh, with so, Patty, I think right. Patty, Patty had left. At, uh, Patty had just walked walked out on him. With, um, for,
0: like, wasn't that involving Eric Clapton too?
1: That was a little bit later. I think okay. that was another, I think another year. I think this was, this was some, some other thing, but I, you know, that's not what I'm sur- I mean, I've, I've never been interested in the, yeah, <laughs> in yeah, the yeah. middle yeah. private life. Yeah, yeah. And I certainly didn't want to make a movie that, because there's obviously not, none of that's on film. And I want to just stick with what we had filmed. So we don't cover it and get back, but. From what I've understood, he was having some pretty serious uh, domestic trouble. Right, and then you add on to that—you know—you can add on to that as much of the of the disrespect from the other two, and they're not interested in the songs. But it's just not really true, because they—I mean—all uh, things must pass. They—they they do like six, 60, 67 takes of it. I know. I, I mean, we we have one—we we we show one one take. Oh, so they really and, tried. And, 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 and get back—they they spend they spend at least. um, the best part of two entire days we work, working on it or, or at least, you know, you Well, know. you could
0: definitely feel the, uh, the, the love. Like when I watched uh, above us, only sky, you know, the Imagine uh, yeah. documentary, there was a yeah, moment yeah. that goes unspoken between John and George, where you're like, they were so deeply connected in, in such, in a way that, you know, I can't even mm. fathom or understand musically oh. and emotionally that, you know, and you felt that, you know, I, I you, mm. like I felt that through the entire thing that, you know, they all knew each other pretty well and they all had their roles, I guess. But emotionally, they were very fluid and very connected. And you never I never felt once that, you know, there there was, you know, real hostility uh, on behalf of any of them towards the others.
1: No. So, so we were so we studied, George, that in the morning and we studied him so carefully and we, and we looked at the film we had, it was no trigger. There's no moment where they, you know, Paul's says a bit, he's a little bit blunt. We talks about we, uh, something about how, you know, how to play the bass, uh, how, how to play the guitar. Yeah. For, for the, I, th- I think it's get back. I mean, it, but it's not rude, rude or anything. It's no. just a little bit. And George, George doesn't take it very, very well. He thinks he says, Oh, you, oh, you need Eric Clapton for that. You know, and John just no, insecure no, no, though yeah it is you see because everything everybody's a human and i think everyone looks for the for black or white and it's, and it's never black or white it's always shades of gray so i think you've got george being a bit insecure and you've certainly got him maybe feeling that he's only ever going to get two songs on on an album no matter how great his songs are and he's now now uh, writing a lot so you've got sort of things behind the scenes you know you've got the a sense that they're not respecting his songs perhaps to some degree and then if you've got if you've got stuff at home, if you've got a domestic crisis, yeah. you, know, you just, you're going to sit there thinking I could, I could, I can, I could sit here all day with these guys and, you know, doing get back, doing, doing, doing their, their songs. Cause they're not going to do, do, do all things that must pass away. Yeah. Or I could just leave and leave and go sort out, uh, sort out my uh, home home life right. because I've got some issues I need, I need to sort out. So I, I mean, you know, I just kind of think that George, George sits there that morning looking exactly like, like he does in the film. I mean, that, those shots that we did where, where Paul and John are clowning around and they're in, they're in each other's faces, and George is just sitting there separate looking pretty depressed that, that that's that is the real the real footage from from that day it's i mean you know we hit because we because we couldn't cheat we couldn't cheat um shots from from one day to the next because because their clothes are changing the time so so you know that morning george was sitting there exactly as you see him separate from the others he just feels and it just so happens that they're working on two songs john and paul are working on two songs right up in there you know you know you, you know close get back and and two of us are songs that don't really, you know, they're not really interested in George's input at this point. Um, so he, you know, he looks like he's on, he's sort of on the outer, but I think he's also feeling the feeling that himself. He's, he's sort of adding to it as well. So, um, and it's the most George, like it's the most George, like thing when he leaves. I, I think I'm leaving the band now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, love the, I love the way he says, I, I think I'm leaving the band.
0: Now. <laughs> Was he your favorite Beatle? Uh,
1: uh, no, I didn't really have a favourite beat. Although I like George, I, 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 well, I mean, I, I, I like them all after the footage. But I, I understand George a lot more from right now. Now that we've, now that I've seen all this footage, George reminds me of a of a of a Kiwi, a, a New Zealand male, a very, very um pragmatic, no romantic sort of flights of fancy. Yeah, you know, you know, when John and Paul are saying, oh, will, I oh, will get the, will I, will I we'll go to a, uh, in, into the amphitheater when we'll get the Q E two and we'll take all the fans," George is oh, it's a bloody stupid idea." Yeah, who's going to pay? For, yeah, it? <laughs> you, know, you know, George is always <laughs> that guy. Yeah, and and in a film set or or. Or any you you know that guy is a really important guy got to have the one the one that stops all the all the visionary kind of talk and the, yeah, yeah. And just cuts it and says that's never going to happen yeah, That's yeah. going to be far, far too expensive those people are very very important and um, important pe- people to have and so um so you've got the sort of John and Paul doing the you know, the sort of the the visionary kind of kind of stuff, the um um spacing out on on on, on all the amazing things it could be and george is just a pragmatic one who's gonna pay pay for that that's never gonna happen yeah. you know which which makes him seem grumpy but he's not grumpy he's just you know he's just saying what needs what the, what needs needs to be said so I actually love George I love George a lot more now now that now that I understand him because he's always he was always the quiet beetle yeah. lead guitarist but now I sort of I and, and I can see he's very insecure too. It's, yeah. it's interesting. When, 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 his, when his own songs are, are up, you know, for, for rehearsal, he's yeah. very, very nervous and insecure. But if it's Get Back or Dig a Pony, he's got all sorts of ideas. He's, he's incredibly confident. He can improve the songs and he suggests things. Sure. And, and John Paul are really happy to get, to get, his, get his own notes. But when it's, when it's his own song he's very, very insecure and nervous. You know, you just have to feel from feel him. He's just he's just a human well, being. Well, they're,
0: they're not even 30 years old. I mean, of course he's insecure. They, let me ask you a question about these, um, about the credits. Like, you know, the, you, you had all these fragments of songs that seemed to be, that needed to be attributed. What was that?
1: Why was that? I mean, that was me. I, it wasn't anybody telling me to do it. I just thought that, I mean, if it was me watching it, because I'm not a huge musical guy. I mean, I, I like the Beatles. I don't really know much uh, much else about, about anybody else i'm i'm am uh, a, a single band guy i'm a musical mor- moron basically yeah. so so i just sort of if, if i'm watching this and i hear a fragment of a song that i don't recognize i'd be thinking is that a, is 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 that an unknown Lennon McCartney song or is it a Chuck Berry song or is it a Little Richard song? What's that? What's like? I, I just know that I'd be immediately wondering. So yeah. I didn't want anyone to, to do the same as that. I just wanted to answer. So if you hear a fragment of a song and it's quite good and the Beatles only do a lot a, a, a line or two if you've got the name then you can go by by the um by the, the chuck berry album or right right the Little Richard album sure. and, hear, and hear the whole thing so it was just really a sort of sort of inf- informational thing it wasn't a legal thing, or oh, thing or anything. Okay. it was just done um,
0: and how excited were you when uh when like i it was very it was beautiful i mean you must have been excited too where you know they mentioned you're working with little Richard and seeing Billy yeah. Preston early on, and you yeah, know, yeah. that Billy Preston's gonna we show. We know, up. we know,
1: we know what's gonna happen, yeah. How I great know, was that? Yeah, I know, it's incredible.
0: I know, and he every changed everything, he changed everything, Billy.
1: Yeah. I know, Billy is fantastic. I mean, I, I, again, I didn't really have an appreciation of Billy separate to the, the Beatles. I knew, you know, I, I, mean, I knew his work on, on the because uh, i heard the uh songs. For 40 years, and I read, yeah. read the books, but I didn't. But I haven't seen Billy in any other in any other way. I haven't, you know, got, got any of his, his albums or anything. So I, you know, so I knew that he was, you know, and I knew that he was always credited as as really, you know, up, uplifting their spirits and stuff. I knew that from the books I read, but um, it wasn't until I saw it on film that I just thought, "Holy shit!" Yeah, <laughs> they they and it's not that because I I I don't like a lot of the books say that he. He came in, so that and 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 they began to to behave themselves. Or you know, a lot of the books sort of say that it was but when when Billy arrived, they stopped sniping at each other and uh-huh. they something, and they had to because there was a fifth person in the room. But that's that's just not true because they were they were getting on fine b- before Billy came in. But what Billy gave them is a, is this ru- rush rush of excitement. He just gave them their songs are just right. just lift. Yeah, up. they go from from being what they've been rehearsing, and then suddenly Billy's Billy's playing. And they and 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 it's their songs getting getting improved by his playing, and so so John and Paul are just so thrilled, yeah. You can, and and it's just this, ru- this rush of excitement. And Billy's he's such a good, He's such, he's he's an incredible guy. I mean, I don't really understand um, any any music, but he just seems to sit there and na- nail it, yeah. Nail it, <laughs>
0: go. And it filled out the songs. Like they they he said. That, I don't remember who said it was. Was it John or Paul who said that they wanted piano in all the songs? They wanted it there. Yeah. And yes. I had no idea yeah. how much bass John played. It took me a while to realize that that fender six string that was a fender six string bass that he plays a mm-hmm. lot of bass on that record
1: yeah. they played bass if Paul if Paul was on the uh, blue the uh, blue blues and the grand piano, yeah, yeah, but you see, I was very careful in the film, like I said to Jabez, okay, well when Billy arrives, and they say hi and 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 they say sit sit there, and he sits there, and he's playing. I said we we got to make sure that the first time in the movie that we see him play has got to be the actual f- first time he plays. You know, because I didn't want to. I was very aware that I could, you know, because he's because he comes at lunchtime, so there's about four four or five hours of him playing. I said I don't want to, you know, I don't want him to sit there and then we suddenly cut to a take he does at four right. thirty in the afternoon. After uh, you know, uh, you know, to give. A, I, I said we we got to make sure that the first time we see him play is the real first. First time he plays, I was pretty. I was pretty careful, at you know, being responsible for because I said that's you know it's important from a from a, from a historical um, uh, uh, perspective that we're not playing playing games here. And he sits there and he starts playing, and, and their faces light, light up and they get so 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 excited, so excited. Great. And he just does he he's got no music he's got no guide i mean they don't give him a practice run they don't play it to him first they just play the song and he's and he just makes it makes it makes it up as he he goes for the first time
0: you know what's interesting is is by the time you know we go through all this stuff and all this uh you know the the story of heading towards the roof is that what i found shocking what you know after that i'm having the experience that you were having you know, watching mm. the Beatles and, 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 and feeling the chemistry and, and, and having everything that you believed about this period, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know proven false and, and having a great warm feeling, but nostalgic. And then when they get to the roof and you see the onlookers mm. and you see people on other roofs and you see the cops and you have this weird moment, you're like, wait, doesn't everyone love the Beatles? How can these people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a very yeah. weird thing. And then you start to realize, like, well, rock stars got in trouble all the time, and and then you start to to realize, like, you know how far they had, had drifted from their 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 beginnings as you know the the pop group, the Beatles. But just the the reception mm. around, just on people's faces, mm. you know, I would have yeah. been going crazy. But most people were well, like, it "What was,
1: is it? It, it?" it's a couple of things because you got to realize, and and you just don't you don't think about this unless you actually stop and think about it. You got to realize that those people on the street, when they hear the music, they're hearing "Get Back." for the first time in their lives. Right. They're, they're, I mean, they've never, ever heard, heard, it, heard it before. It's, it's you know, they're, they're hearing all those Beatles songs they're hearing for the very first time. So it's not like they're hearing I Want to Hold Your Hand or, right, right. or um, Sergeant Pepper. They're not hearing the old, the oldies and goldies. They're hearing these songs that they've never heard before, but, but they are the Beatles. So they're not able to sort of groove with the actual – songs themselves because if it's the first time that they've heard them, but, but even they the are, people yeah. on the
0: roof, you know, you would think like yeah. they would have just yeah. been amazed, you know, but I, I guess it was, it's a different well, time. They
1: sort of are about, I, think they're, I think they're amazed in a very, in a very British way. I mean, they yeah. do yeah. gather, yeah. they do, yeah, yeah, yeah. they do flock and they do sort of sit, stand there with very straight faces, but I you got to imagine inside they're they're really excited, but you, but because they're British, they're not going to, you know, right. Gonna, and, and, yeah. and the other thing I was going to say is that, um, the Savile Road Police Station, because the police station that these guys come from is about 100 yards up the road or 75 yards up the road. That was a police station where Sergeant Pilcher was a was, was base, and he was the drug-obsessed um, rock star planting drugs guy who had already busted John um, the year before. And you know, I think he who, who had he done? Uh, Donovan, um, a couple of others, and he was going to bust George a, a month or two later. He This guy, this... Um, This guy was leading some some uh, British police drug pop star task task force. Uh He was based in this in the same police station as as these two cops come from. It was a several Row Row police station was was his base, and so there's a lot of whatever these cops have been hearing back at there about the rock stars and the drugs and their and their, you know, you know, and their um. They're bringing a really bad uh, influence to modern youth I'm sure that that in the cafe in the police station Pilcher and his other drug squad guys would have been blab- blabbing all that stuff so these guys are coming down you know with not not necessarily the best impression sure of a, of a of a pop group in the world, so it's, um, the guy got busted. The uh, P- Pilcher, who arrested all these all these rock stars in sixty eight, sixty nine, he yeah. he spent about two two and a half y- years in jail. He got he got nailed nailed for it. For, for what? For, for, for basically, uh, well, for perverting the course of oh, course for planting of justice. I uh, mean, evidence, George, yeah. George swears that he planted the drugs in his house john swears that he planted that he planted drugs drugs in his house so yeah yeah
0: so like when uh, you know as a filmmaker now like you know given these two documentary projects you know where you you took these these like fairly uh, dense and 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 epic bits of the past and and thoroughly were able to extract something very humanizing out of them you know, how did how does how do you see that affecting your your filmmaking going forward? Because when I think about you, even like going back to the splatter, the horror movies and then on through the uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies, that it seems like there's two films like there's the um heavenly creatures, which was really kind yep. of a, 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 a mm-hmm. mix. But it was a human story and and the lovely bones as well. There was fantasy elements, but it seems like you'd rather create worlds that like, you know, right, right.
1: Um well I just do I just don't have a plan i, I yeah. don't know how to answer that i mean i I grew up i mean the reason why you make horror movies when you're a young filmmaker is because you can you haven't got any money i mean the first film I made bad taste I financed myself it, it cost me seventeen grand and I shot it over four years in the weekends you you but you make horror movies with a lot of splatter and blood because you don't need very good actors you don't need a sure. very good script you yeah. don't need very yeah. good production design and you can get a a maximum impact by going to the butcher and getting some some brains and livers and kidneys and some fake blood (laughs) yeah yeah, and so you i think young filmmakers tend to and i also love love um horror don't get me wrong i mean i i grew up on hammer horror movies and in the evil dead and all that stuff so i was completely into it but certainly horror movies are a great way to bust into the because you can get big effect for little production value and right run. okay but then, but then you then you get into this phase where you're right you're writing something that's a bit more sophisticated you're now realizing well God the script has to best to be good um, which means we're going to need to cast it really well because we're now going to have to have actors who can really deliver and it's so everything just gets you know yeah the stakes the stakes go up but okay. I, mean, I mean heavenly creatures was heavenly creatures was done because um I met my partner Fran Walsh, who's, who's my um, co-conspirator and all this, she and I met around the Feebles' time. So, well, actually, I showed a um, bad, 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 taste. I got some advice from the from the first kind of bad taste. So, nineteen eighty-seven. Uh-huh. So, anyway, so we were together, and we had we wrote the um we wrote Branded and uh, together, and we did that. And then she was very interested in in this um in this New Zealand murder case, uh, the Parker Hume murder, where these two two girls murder. One of their mothers. I hadn't really he- heard of it, but she she was really, 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 int- uh, really, really interested in it, and, uh-huh. and had been for a, for a long time. So she pitched me the story, which I never heard of. We went down to Christchurch where it happened, um, just fra- just Fran and I, and we we met a lot of the people who, who were involved. Obviously, a lot, of them, the majority of them have passed away since. Uh, we we went to a lot of the locations, and she sort of helped immerse me in the in the true story, and we interviewed a lot of people. Who were involved and um and we just thought wow well this would be a great a great film so that was just you know that was how that happened and then and then and then bob Zemeckis wanted us to do a a um episode of tales from the crypt his little yeah uh well he was he was doing a series of movies he did a, a tv series but he was doing a series of movies this is ni- 1995 or something um, and he was going to, they, was, they were going to be labeled tales from the crypt, you know, films They were going to sort of, that was the branding. And so he, he, he contacted, I think he's seen, "How many creatures or brain dead or something? Yeah. So we got a, our first, our first Hollywood, um, experience with Bob Zemeckis getting in touch and saying, um, do you want you guys interested in doing a tales from the crypt film for me? And so we just thought, wow, you know, it's Bob who, who we loved. Yeah. Who did a very good film called. I want to Ho- hold your hand by the way. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and obviously all, all the other ones did done. And so we, we were excited. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something we had in our mind. So we we walked around for a bit. We came up with a storyline about this um, psychic investigator guy who, who you know, he's a guy who, who, um, who looks fake and, and, um, and says he can see ghosts and it looks like he's a con man, but then he really can. And anyway, it was a whole, a whole th- little, little story. We, we went to LA, we pitched that to Bob and he says, great, we should do it. And then he said, but I don't think it fits the Tales from the Crypt. Um, sort of brand particularly it's not that i don't see it as a talesman crypt movie but let's do it as a stand- standalone film so that one was done and then um yeah and then it went on to rings and stuff so
0: that's how it just works
1: that's how it works uh with- it just, it, you just dribble for you 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 trip and stagger from one film to the next there's no there's no grand plan really i, I mean right and right now to, now they haven't done uh they sha not grow old straight into the Beatles. So I, i've got no no idea what, what I'm doing next. I mean I, I want to go back and restore and and because we started to restore my my old films in the Beatles showed up and that's been on hold now for four years. So, the so the immediate um, work for the new year is to try to fin- finish off restoring my old films, finish off shooting my my eight millimeter sk- skeleton fight um, <laughs> uh, that I did when I was sixteen. So, um, uh, those, those ones I do know about, and from there on, we'll just see see what happens. So.
0: Well, I I I, uh, I really appreciate you talking to me today, and I love all the stuff, and I love the Beatles stuff, and I and I really wish you. Uh, 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 success in making those uh, skeletons walk and dance.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I'm a bit concerned. I, uh, the idea of animating them. I, I mean, I, I I built them, which was fun to learn how to build them, and now I've got to learn how how to animate, which does does concern me. But at least it's just me and a camera and them, so all the mistakes I make can be just kept kept quiet, and I can and I don't have to show 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 it to anybody unless I, I do. Like someone I'm to deep, do,
0: please. I want someone to do a doc of you doing that. <laughs> Well, take care of yourself, Peter. Great talking to you.
1: Thanks, Mac. Thank you very much. Wow.
0: What a ride. I hope he gets to, I hope he finishes his stop action work. What's interesting is, you know, what he wants to do over the holidays with the skeletons. It's uh, odd. I talked to uh, Guillermo del Toro on Thursday, and he too is uh, looking forward to spending some time with. Some models, I think a Lon Chaney model that he needs to paint over the holidays. There's a little similarity, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you can watch The Beatles Get Back uh, on Disney Plus. Let's rock out, man! Let's rock out, man! Rock, man! <laughs> Boomer lives. Monkey and La Fonda. Cat angels everywhere.